0: Welcome to the podcast from ThatGuitarLover.com My name's Ross. I'll be your host for these episodes. Enjoy! Welcome to the podcast at ThatGuitarLover.com Isolated Power We hear about this on podcasts and read about it in articles, often with product recommendations. But what does it really mean? Well, if we go jump into Mr. Peabody's wayback machine to the early days of effects pedals, we'll find that the vast majority of them ran on batteries, typically 9-volt batteries of the zinc-carbon type. Back then, the Mallory company started producing alkaline batteries under the Duracell branding on the principle that an alkaline battery would outlast a zinc-carbon battery. This prompted the creation of a group Who would like to argue the tonal merits of zinc carbon versus alkaline or vice versa? Despite having very good hearing, I could not and still cannot tell the difference until the battery was starting to die. Zinc carbon did cost less than alkaline, and so many folks used them. We still operated our effects pedals on batteries at that time, batteries that went right into the pedal. The device power was activated by having a cable plugged into either the input or the output and woe unto the musician who forgot to unplug the cables lest he or she discover that their batteries had passed on when they next arrived to play. For stage performance, batteries made sense because access to AC power at the front of the stage area could be problematic. But it also meant carrying a stack of batteries with you to prevent pedals from being dead. And if your pedal was not true bypass. A dead battery could prevent signal from getting through the pedal at all. Then makers started offering the capability to use an external power source. While likely not the first product, my first experience with this was the original MXR grey flanger, which had a permanently affixed AC power cord. While this was seen as an inconvenience by some, at the time very few cared because of what that pedal could do. So they figured out how to get power to it. However, builders tended to avoid the need for AC to DC conversion in the pedal in order to save space and cost, but they did start to put DC power input jacks on their devices. This offered the option of battery or external DC power. Very nice options to have. As time moved on, more and more makers eliminated the internal battery capacity entirely. While again an inconvenience to some, or to many, Others were quite happy to stop worrying about batteries at all. And so other companies started building external power supplies in order to power pedals. Some makers, like Boss, designed their very own power supply and built their pedals to all, or mostly all, use the same power supply. In this case, the Boss PSA. The challenge then became where to plug all those power supplies into if you had a lot of pedals. Certainly you could buy one of those multi-outlet things and use it. But a side effect appeared where there was suddenly noise becoming evident. The power supplies were all sharing the same circuit. ruh shaggy. Batteries were isolated. Ganged-up power supplies were not. Now what do we do? I don't know which maker first brought the concept of an isolated power supply to the market, but I sure am glad that they did. In this design, AC power is supplied to the master power supply, and then circuitry in the box isolates each individual output, which is then connected to a single pedal by a cable. This box has multiple outputs, so you can drive multiple pedals, but each power supply is fully isolated. Now, of course, not all pedals use the same connection, so the makers offered a set of cables that would include non-standard connectors or the less common center pin positive connection rather than the more common center pin negative. Using the wrong connection would result in a cooked pedal, and we'll all agree that that's a bad thing. Yet one of the benefits of this isolation in a single power supply unit was the lack of noise experienced when every device has its own unique battery power supply. Hooray! We've got one power supply driving many pedals with no noise graded by the power supply itself. We all then started to learn that while most all pedals would run at nine volts, unless a special power supply was included with the pedal, some were capable of running at higher voltages. Some even included technology to step up the internal voltage. Wouldn't it be great if the isolated power supply could also deliver selectable voltage? Why yes, that would be great indeed. So some isolated power supply makers started offering power ports designed to run at 9 volts, but also 12 volts, 15 volts, or 18 volts, user-selectable. Some even made every port capable of being switched, selectable in terms of voltage delivered. Aha! Freedom! Then we learned that pedals, depending on their design, might require more amperage than the generic 100 milliamperes that typical individual 9-volt power supplies would deliver. One of the solutions to the power supply issue that did not address isolation was and remains the very inexpensive and often recommended one-spot daisy chain system. The beauty of the system was that there was one plugged into the wall and then a cable with multiple power connectors to drive multiple pedals from that one connection. They really do work a charm except for two things. First, they're not isolated, so it can allow noise. And second, the system is limited to a maximum amperage. We're going to encounter newer pedals. Many of the DSP-powered pedals, as examples, need more amperage than 100 milliamps. And most will often come with their own power supplies. But again, I want to get back to that single power supply that can do multiple voltages and multiple amperages. Smart engineers figured this out as well. A pedal that only needed 9 volts might require more milliampere than a pedal wanting 15 volts. So the pa- makers made note that if you are choosing a voltage supply, they would also inform you what maximum amperage could be delivered from that connection. Oh, wonderful day! Now a musician could provide the voltage of choice, as well as the appropriate amperage, independently on each isolated power feed. Call that pretty much perfect. So who makes these isolated supplies? Well, there are many to choose from. You can get a number of white label, what we call house brand, isolated supplies through online stores that may be all that you need. You will also find them from some well-known pedal makers such as MXR and Fender. Other makers, such as Voodoo Labs, are known more for their power supplies and their sadly discontinued amp switcher than for pedals. There are, of course, higher-end isolated power supplies, meaning more costly, but also using superior components and probably offering more versatility. Strymon is known for superb high-end, but somewhat pricey pedals, but they also offer a very nice isolated power supply system that is extendable. The system that I use, exclusively for some time in my case, is called CHOX. It's spelled C-I-O-K-S. I I did not know how to pronounce it originally, and I used to call them Cyox, but I've been told that the proper pronunciation is in fact CHOX. However you pronounce it, their DC7 supply is the one that I always recommend. And if you do need more than seven, independent, fully isolated power delivery cables, it's extendable by four more outlets in the CHOX4 or eight more outlets in the CHOX8. As I'm an avowed pedal junkie and committed to isolation, voltage, and amperage flexibility, this system is my choice. Regardless of which brand of isolating power supply system you use, the convenience and noise control outweighs the cost as far as I'm concerned, and as far as most professional players are concerned as well. Thanks as always for listening, and until next time, peace.